Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think Andrew's great achievement is that he directs us towards the feeling rather than examining what the logic of the feeling might be. The most important thing and the most difficult thing to do. And I think he's achieved this. And I feel very proud that we've all done that together of making the audience genuinely moved. When people watch mm-hmm. the movie, you can hear people really crying or really laughing. And there's a kind of catharsis in the, in the film that I don't think is common. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Awardist, where we are chatting with the actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year and breaking down the state of the 2024 Oscars and 2023 Emmys race. I'm Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall, and yes, we are deviating a little from the Oscars race this week, uh, given that the delayed 2023 Emmys are on Monday. But of course, we do still have Oscar season coverage for you in this episode, so stay tuned for all of that. That aside, I have missed her so, but I roped in EW critic Kristen Baldwin uh, to join me this week with her predictions for who should and will win at Monday's Emmy Awards on Fox. Hey, Kristen, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you. I can't believe we're finally talking about the Emmys in terms of they're about to happen. (laughs) We talked a lot about them over the summer and then just waited and waited, as did so many. Yeah, yeah. And it's, look, I I mean, I'm glad they're finally happening. I think they could not be happening at a worse time. Um, uh, Part of me kind of wishes like when the strikes were over that they had a contingency plan for like, great, let's move them up into December, get it out of the way before Christmas and all these other awards. But here we are. It's fine. You know, I I think a lot of um, a lot of talent already have awards like built into their schedule. So it's like they're mm-hmm. already in LA and all that kind of stuff. They have time off, um, you know, from their production. So um, it, it still works out well that way. Um, but yeah, I'm, it, it's going to be really weird to be, well, it's always weird to have Emmys on a Monday, but that's the way they've been going the last uh, few years or so. Um, but to be in January um, yeah. and it's, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit chilly right now in LA. I, I say that cautiously complaining because I know there are places <laughs> in the country where it's legitimately cold. Kristen. Yes. Yeah. I where am, you are. I'm quite, I'm quite chilly right now here in uh, lovely New Jersey, but you know, I was recently at the golden wedding in Palm Springs yeah. and, and that was quite cold at night. So oh, yeah. The desert I, at night. Yeah. 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 I should have driven out to see you. We could have had a little toast, a little cheers, a little glass of champagne. <laughs> um, but yeah, so LA, it's going to be chilly. I'm wondering how that will um, potentially affect fashion. Like, will we see some faux fur and stuff going on? Um, cause let me tell you, if I could find some, I'd probably have it. Um, <laughs> says the person who I'm going to be on the carpet for like 15 minutes, um, yeah. which reminds me, I should tell everyone we are doing our, uh, live Emmys red carpet pre-show, uh, which you can stream on EW.com or on our YouTube channel. Uh, so everyone be sure to check that out. We will be going live. Oh, geez. I'm pulling times off the top of my head. I believe at three o'clock 
Pacific, two hours before the show starts. Um, so you can uh, check us out there, uh, interviewing all, all the stars and uh, predictions and all that kind of good stuff. Um, okay, Kristen, before we get into your predictions, um, a quick little housekeeping here for everyone who's listening. Um, our guest today on this episode of The Awardist is someone who I think, and there is a lot of brewing momentum for, uh, I think should be nominated for an Oscar when those are uh, announced on January 23rd. I'm talking about Hot Priest, Kristen. All <gasps> of us Stranger star, Andrew Scott, he is, um, this is really his his first in his quite long career lead film role. He's had wow. some leads on stage, but a lead film role in my God, does he knock it out of the park? He is fantastic in this. And when I tell all of you, if you've not seen it yet, uh, this movie had me an absolute mess. So make sure you have the tissues ready because the tears will be flowing. Uh, other housekeeping. The Golden Globes for this past weekend. Uh, it was the highest ratings in four years, up 50% just from last year uh, with over 9 million viewers. Uh, Kristen, to what do you attribute that, that big bump? Well, I think it helped that the movies were quite mm -hmm. big. You know, we had Barbie, certainly, yep. and Oppenheimer, and, uh, you know, movies that were that a lot of people saw, whereas yeah. last year maybe the movies were a little more niche. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think there was certainly also some curiosity given that this was the first hfpa free right uh golden globes though Quote i think that's hfpa free <laughs> I, yeah. although i believe that's you know probably a little more inside than most people yeah. and also you know uh i think you know yes last year we did have award shows and we were coming out of the pandemic but it feels like this is sort of the first real like back mm -hmm. to quote unquote normal uh, yeah. award season where everybody's yeah. out the strikes are over strikes you know everyone's yep. excited to see the stars and they're excited to come out. So maybe that helped. Um, yeah. I, I definitely say. think all of that. And I got oh, I got to wonder the Taylor Swift effect mm, too. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, her, her, uh, her concert film nominated. And uh, at one point people were wondering if she was going to be there because there was uh, a football game she could have been at. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but she was there. And of course she's kind of gone viral now for that. Have you seen that moment where um, I really, do we know Selena for sure Gomez. she even heard the joke, though? Oh, for oh, Selena oh, Gomez. Well, oh, I'm oh, talking well, about the true. Joe there, Coy. Yeah. Right, there are two things, right? The Joe Coy joke. Um, okay, so I think, I think she was just playing it dry. I don't know. I feel like she heard it, and she was just, like, playing... Right. Annoyed. But I, I don't know. What did, what did you think about it? I mean, I just saw it and I thought maybe she didn't even hear the joke Fair. because I do think it's possible, you mm -hmm. know, we, the feed in the room or the sound in the room isn't certainly as clear, you know, people no. are talking and, you know, yeah. lots of clinking and things yep. like that. So it's possible she just didn't even hear it. Yeah. Um, I was in the room and there are some people you could barely hear. I'm like, mm -hmm. we have speakers in here. What is going yeah. on with the audio? Yeah. So that's, so that's very possible. That's possible. And then there was that a moment um, during the commercial breaks where there's footage of Selena Gomez talking to Taylor and, um, oh my gosh, the other one whose name I'm forgetting, uh, her friend sitting there. Um, and and lip-reading experts have determined <laughs> that Selena was telling Taylor, I asked him for a picture and he said no. And they said, Timmy? Meaning Timothy Chalamet, like he wouldn't take a picture? I don't know. I'm no lip reading expert, but um, I'm certainly enjoying the TikToks about it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, you know what? Timmy got enough uh, on camera time with he his sure did. Uh, 
yeah, young Kylie lady. Uh, yeah. So you would think he would be fine with it. Um, yeah. So let's, you know, just remember lip reading experts say they're <laughs> experts, but we can't necessarily, you always got to no. check the source. So until yeah. somebody asks Selena herself, we got to, uh-huh. we got to be uh, a little skeptical. We'll try to find out soon. And of course, then people have now taken that moment and they're just like making up other conversations relevant <laughs> to pop culture and life. I, it's lo- so I love funny. bad lip reading videos yes. where they just turn it into something totally different. It's that's uh, a lot of fun. It's so good. Um, and before we move on, did you have any thoughts on Mr. Coy himself that you felt like sharing? Well, uh, you know, obviously he was not good. Um, <laughs> nobody really enjoyed his monologue. That said, they didn't enjoy it in the room either. Yeah, I I do think it's it's worth pointing out he did not have very much time to prepare. His yeah. writers were probably not top notch because again, mm-hmm. this is CBS. This is mm-hmm. not, you know, he probably wasn't able to assemble a team that he would have. Right. Uh, you know, I, I also know, especially from the TikToks, that a lot of the youth are uh, very upset with his booby joke um, regarding Barbie um, and, you know, found it yeah. very lazy and sexist, which I understand because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it certainly was. Frankly, I mean, I'm, I think it's good that he was given, you know, he clearly wasn't the first choice if he only got the job nine days before the yeah. show, even though they yeah. announced him, I believe, on the 27th. But I think it's, you know, good that they would try somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like him, who is obviously a well-respected stand-up. I feel bad that, you know, he he got a thankless job with no time to prepare. Yeah. Um, I doubt he'll be back, but you never yeah. know. Yeah. It almost makes me think, like, why even have a host? Because you already mm-hmm. had... George Lopez and Gabriel Iglesias, they were presenting. So why not they shift were... <laughs> your schedule around <laughs> yeah. a little and have them open the show, tell a few jokes, and then move on, use the voice of God announcer to introduce people. Absolutely. And just, yeah. you know, focus on writing some less painful yeah. uh, presenter banter. Yeah. There were definitely some good, uh, yeah. notable exceptions, but a lot of it was real painful. Yeah. Carrie Russell and Ray Romano. Oh, my God. <laughs> killed me. Killed me. And I wish Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell had been earlier in the show. That one played they, really well in the room, which I also attribute to maybe perhaps uh, everyone having some, you know, yeah. champagne and libations. But yeah. Yeah, no, I've, there were definitely some standouts. I liked the one about the, you know, uh, the patter being written by studio executives. Yeah. And yeah, it, yeah, was, yeah. it was all very like AI gibberish. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. You know, the, the obviously CBS is going to be happy with those ratings. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I frankly, I haven't been paying attention. Are they going to air the show next year or was this a one time thing? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if it was a multi-year deal. I feel like, yes, it was a multi-year deal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and they, you know, they had good lead-ins uh, with, with football. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, very different demographics, but I don't know. There are a lot of women who watch football games yes. and there are a lot of women who watch award shows. It so, was very weird to turn on the TV right before it aired and there was like, you know, some football post-game show. I was like, <laughs> yeah. what is happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is not a red carpet. Yeah. A, a green carpet, I suppose. Uh uh, the gridiron. But um, yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, just to share my thoughts quickly on the film winners, um, Oppenheimer for picture, drama, director, actor, supporting actor and score, 
Poor Things for Picture, Comedy, or Musical, and Actress. The Holdovers for Actor, Comedy, or Musical, and Supporting Actress. Lily Gladstone from Killers of the Flower Moon for Actress Drama. All of those wins made sense to me at the Globes. I'm not sure what that means. Like, I, I don't really know that that means that Oppenheimer suddenly takes over the race from Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, we yeah. have, you know, a, a few more ceremonies to come to see how that all really shakes out. All right, Kristen, shall we get to it? The Emmys. Yes. Monday, Fox. Monday, host Monday. Anthony Sorry, I Anderson. I yeah, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so how about we start with, uh, we'll go in reverse order of the way that the ceremony does it. We're going to start with Outstanding Drama Series, where the nominees are Andor, Better Call Saul, The Crown, House of the Dragon, The Last of Us, Succession, The White Lotus, and Yellow Jackets. Who do you think will and should win? I mean, let's start with an easy one. Succession right. will come a <laughs> ding, should. Ding, ding. Yeah. Everybody else is just happy to be there. I yeah. mean, the only other one that I would, you know, like to see win is Better uh, Call Saul. You uh-huh. know, I'm going to say that and uh-huh. I will keep beating that horse as we uh, go through these categories. But I, I just don't see how uh, Succession doesn't take it yeah. this final season and the finale were so, uh, you know, rapturously received and deserving. Yeah, Um, this might be me jumping ahead a bit, but I think I'm going to go so far as to say that Succession will win the big seven. I think they're going to win series, the four actors and writing and directing. Interesting. I mean, well, I, I don't see how I'm, I'm a little hesitant on supporting actress, but we'll we'll talk about that more in a second when we get to that category. But anyway, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibility. Obviously, the voters love the show and nominated it something like yeah. 27 times. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do think the some of those other smaller categories, quote unquote smaller, might be where they try yeah. to spread the love a little. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, drama actress, where the nominees are. <sighs> Gosh. What a great category. Uh, But Sharon Horgan, Bad Sisters, Melanie Linsky for Yellow Jackets, Elizabeth Moss, The Handmaid's Tale, Bella Ramsey, The Last of Us, Carrie Russell, The Diplomat, and Sarah Snook, Succession. Or The Laundromat, as Ray Romano called it on the (laughs) (laughs) clubs. One of the uh, legitimately laugh out loud funny jokes on the globes. Yeah. you know, again, you gotta you gotta give it to Succession. Sarah yep. Snook certainly uh, earned her promotion mm-hmm. this season from supporting to lead, and uh, I think people are going to want to honor her, especially given it's the final season. And yep. as we know, The Handmaid's Tale will never end. So uh, it's apparently not, the not. Final season. in uh, scripted or in real life. Um, <laughs> Dark. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Sorry about that. Uh, lead actor in a drama series. We have three guys from Succession. Brian Cox, Kieran Culkin, who just won at the Globes, and Jeremy Strong. Uh, in addition to Jeff Bridges for The Old Man. Uh, I had to say four. I'm not calling him one. Um, and then Bob <laughs> Odenkirk for Better Call Saul and Pedro Pascal for The Last of Us. Do you think there could be a... See, we, we always throw out these theories. Could there be a split? But do splits yeah. really work that way? I don't know. What do you think will happen? <sighs> You know, certainly Kieran just won mm. the Golden Globe, but again, you know, we have to remember that Emmy voting closed yeah. at the end of August. This is mm-hmm. not, you know, 1979. something that is, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I do think it is possible, it is in the realm of possibility that the succession votes split and they give the award to Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk, who absolutely deserves it. I mean, they've obviously nominated him six times every single season. Mm -hmm. This season, the man almost died for his show. So 
I'm I'm <clears throat> holding on to this, whether you call it magical thinking or whatever, that uh, that split happens and he he is the mm. sort of bene- uh, beneficiary of that split. Mm-hmm. I think if it doesn't happen, I think it goes to Kieran. Yeah, I mean, I wish Brian Cox had won for an earlier season because yeah. he's barely in this final season and I'm a little surprised he was allowed to be lead. Um so for me, it comes down to Kieran and Jeremy from that show. And then, I don't know, I, there's a world where I could see Pedro, but I don't know. I don't think this year, not with not with Succession yeah. ending or not with Better Call Saul ending. So, yeah, I think it's really between Kieran and Bob. Um, Man, good luck. Voters. I'm just hoping that, you know, yeah, I'm just hoping that this is one where more people you know, people are thinking the voters are thinking like Succession's going to win so many awards. It's going to win the big, you know, the big award. Let's give this one to Odenkirk, who's never won after being nominated six times. Yeah, that's yeah. my dream. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, moving on to supporting, uh, supporting. Let's do supporting actor, where it's all either Succession or White Lotus. So from the White Lotus, F. Murray Abraham, Michael Imperioli, Theo James, and Will Sharp. And then from Succession, Nicholas Braun, Matthew McFadden, Alan Ruck, and Alexander Skarsgård. Where are you leaning on this one? Womskins all the way. Yeah, right? It's got to be. It's got to be. He's, you know, he was so incredible this Uh season. So good every season. But this, you know, I wish that it could go to both him and Alan Ruck, who I think Uh, did some truly amazing work uh, as Connor in this final season. But I think... So many good Tom moments and, you know, obviously with him, uh, you know, very old spoiler alert with uh, Tom, you know, winning the chess game and becoming uh, becoming the head honcho. I think there's just he really, you know, people like to say they were, you know, the Roy's were playing uh, checkers and (laughs) and And was playing chess. Yeah. And and just so much of it is. But he also had all that emotional stuff with Shiv and, you know, some really, uh, and even just the episode Connor's wedding, you know, when Mm -hmm. even just him on the phone, a lot of that performance was really moving. So yeah, he gave a real masterclass, uh, especially this season. Yeah. That, um, that, uh, balcony argument with Shiv. Holy Mm -hmm. cow. That, I mean that right there, that, that scene ended. I was like, there are their Emmys. Just give it to him now for those. If he, let's say he does not win for whatever reason. Do you think it's someone from white Lotus or someone else from succession? Uh, I think for, it's probably someone else from succession. And I think it would probably, I would say Alan Ruck. Honestly, mm. and uh, just simply because he had some, he had more to do this season. He was so good, and mm-hmm. uh, but I, I feel like how is it not? Yeah, Matthew McFadden. Yep, yep. All right, supporting actress in a drama series. I'm going to list all of the ones from White Lotus first: Jennifer Coolidge, Megan Fahey, Sabrina Impacciatori, Aubrey Plaza, and Simona Tabasco. And then we've got uh, newly minted Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Debicki from The Crown, as well as Ray Seahorn from Better Call Saul and Jay Smith Cameron from Succession. Okay, Um, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and retract what I said earlier that they'll win the big seven. Um, Because the more I stare at this category, Mm -hmm. I don't know. My my thought in that was that 
is it going to be one of those where everyone just votes succession in the categories? Right. right. Um, especially when you're looking at White Lotus and you're like, geez, how do I decide between some of these people? But then you've got, go ahead, take it away, Kristen. I know you, you want to <laughs> say her name. Ray mother effing Seahorn. <laughs> and I think that is on her birth certificate as her middle name. <laughs> I <Yeah>. mean, <laughs> she, the, the arc of this character going from sort of a sidekick uh, to really the actual heart yeah. of the show by the end. And this season, you know, her, in the black and white era, her oh. performance, uh, Kim Wexler, both in Florida, on the bus. Just Google Kim Wexler bus, mm -hmm. please. Mm -hmm. and, and tell me that isn't one of the finest performances you've seen yeah. uh, all year. And, you know, again, last chance. I do worry, though. I think, I think there's going to be a, a bit of a knee-jerk, you know, Jennifer Coolidge. Not that she doesn't mm -hmm. deserve it, but, you know, she mm -hmm. was very memeable again this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, people will be like, oh, yeah, these gays are trying to kill me. And mm -hmm. they'll, um, they'll give her the win. But I mm -hmm. really hope uh, that this is Ray's year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm with you on that, of uh, all of that. Um, I will say, as much as I love Jennifer Coolidge on The White Lotus, I really think Megan had mm. some of the most um, nuanced and interesting uh, work. Um, Aubrey was also great. Loved her. Um, I also really love Sabrina and Pacciatore, the, the, the resort manager. They, they all yeah. had some really great material, but I personally would lean toward Megan if I had to vote for someone from White Lotus. But, um, but also, I mean, Elizabeth Debicki, like was princess Diana. This category Truly. is incredible. It's a, it's a great one. Okay, let's uh, lighten the mood and have some laughs here like we weren't already. Let's talk comedy series uh, <laughs> where the nominees are Abbott Elementary, Barry, The Bear, Jury Duty, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Only Murders in the Building, Ted Lasso, and Wednesday. Okay, uh, Ted Lasso uh, has won for its previous two seasons. This is its third and final. Uh, this is also the final season for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Jury duty, I think, is going to be a, a one and done. That's like mm -hmm. lightning in a bottle. I don't know how you repeat that. Um, keep in mind, for The Bear, this is season one of The Bear, yes. even though at the yeah. Globes, they just won for season two. Uh, but, you know, with things being delayed. Also, final season of Barry. Um, gosh, I I know what I want to win, but I don't think it will. Where Where are you leaning? It's funny because I went back and looked at, you know, a lot of predictions from the end of August when the voting was closed mm -hmm. and, you know, including my own and Abbott elementary was really right up there. Yeah. And I, I do think, uh, I do think it's a race between Abbott elementary and the bear. And I think, you know, the bear may have a slight advantage simply because season two dropped, you know, a couple months before voting ended. But I also think that, you know, people love Abbott Elementary. They may, the voters may realize that it should have maybe won last year when it didn't, or sorry, in 2022 when it didn't, uh, it lost to Ted Lasso. So I'm, I'm sort of leaning just a tiny bit toward Abbott winning. It, and by the way, season two was great. Yeah. And uh, I think the bear is going to clean up in other areas, but it's a tough one. I think it's a, t a coin toss between Abbott and the bear. Yeah. Um, I, I I agree with you on who will. I, I think it'll be one of those two. But I am also fearing there could be 
and sorry, voters, I'm just going to say it, voter laziness, um, Mm -hmm. that they could, you know, check that Ted Lasso box. What I want to win is jury duty. Uh, I so want that show to win because it's just, uh, it was, so many things could have gone wrong and just ruined the entire experiment. And the way that those actors um, had to keep the train on the tracks at all times. And, uh, I, and it's so funny and, and endearing, which is, you know, Ted Lasso certainly had that going for it. Um, in its first season, the, mm-hmm. that endearing factor. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 there are several here that I won't be mad if they win. I'll put it that way. Um, but eh. yeah, I, I, you know, I loved Barry, but I also, Barry is very dark in yep. the final season, not really yeah. a comedy, which again, nope. you know, yeah. we've talked about this, Get a, yeah. give us a dramedy category. Yep. I really, I, who knows, Jury Duty could, could be the, uh, the spoiler here, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just, it's a good group. Yeah. I don't, I will be very sad if they need your, give it to Ted Lasso, because I think we all know yeah. that third season was not uh, a word. Agree. Agree. I think it ended well, uh, but everything prior to that, mm-hmm. eh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm iffy on. Okay, let's talk lead actress in a comedy series. Nominees, Christina Applegate in Dead to Me, Rachel Brosnahan for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Quinta Brunson, Abbott Elementary, Natasha Leone for Poker Face, and Jenna Ortega for Wednesday. Hmm, small category. Yeah. Who gets it? Quinta? I think it goes to Quinta. I think there's a chance with Christina um, Mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm. you know, because there's such a groundswell of love for her and, you know, she did great work, great work on all seasons of dead to me. um, And especially that last season working while, you know, having gotten her diagnosis. So I think people really love her and want to honor her. But again, I mean, Quinta is the heart and soul of, of Abbott elementary in season two. I was going back Mm -hmm. and looking at some of the, it had so many great Janine moments. You know, I was just looking mm-hmm. at the egg drop episode again. Which so, <laughs> the whole so thing with good. the, yeah, her with ladders. Yeah. Not, yeah. And of course, of course, you know, we, the shippers, we got our uh-huh. moment with Janine and Gregory. So, yep. you know, I think I really, anyone here could win, yeah. but I think it's probably Quinta uh, who's going to take it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but uh, I would love I would love to see a Christina Applegate win. Yeah. Uh, she's, I think season three was actually, uh, for her, the funniest mm-hmm. material she had of all three. Um, I, I don't know what it was, but her delivery on some of that stuff was just, oh, it yeah. was so good. Um, all right. Actor in a comedy series, Bill Hader for Barry, Jason Siegel for Shrinking, Martin Short for Only Murders in the Building, Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso, and Jeremy Ellen White for uh, the Calvin Klein ad campaign um <laughs> no i'm good for the bear um is it jeremy this year are we done with sudeikis i think it's jeremy and i think this is another reason why i think that it's possible and slightly more probable that that abbott will win series because i do think voters are going to nominate or going to give the win here uh mm. to to jeremy and uh you know again see, season two of the bear will get a, another 40 bazillion nominations and he can win again for that. But I think the, the timing of the second season dropping, you know, in the middle of the summer and people seeing how great he was in the second season will remind them how great he was in season one, which is mm-hmm. what they're awarding here. Right. So I do. And I think even if God help us all, Ted Lasso somehow takes the comedy win um, that, 
they would still want to honor the bear in a big way and yeah. he would be the one. Yeah. All right. Let's zoom through the supporting comedy categories here. Uh, actors Anthony Kerrigan and Henry Winkler for Barry, Phil Dunster and Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso, James Marsden for Jury Duty, Eben Moss-Backrack for The Bear and Tyler James Williams for Abbott. Uh, I have no idea. What do you think? <laughs> I think it's actually probably now thinking about it going to be even Moss Backrock. Yeah. Um, because again, you know, he was great in season one, but people saw season two, yeah. wow, how, voting. you yeah. know, just leveled up mm-hmm. he was. And it is certainly a really good uh, category. Yeah. There could be, there could, if somebody from Ted Lasso gets it, I think it'll be Brett Goldstein because again, uh, people love him. Yeah. Brett um, and Phil but, had so much good stuff together this year too. Yeah, they did. So they funny. Did. So funny. Um, and Anthony's think, the only comedy Eva. on Barry, so. Yeah. <laughs> he had he such had a great real, season. He had some really emotional stuff yeah. this season, too, yeah, though, with Cristobal. Oh, yeah. that was rough. But anyway. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, okay, supporting actress in a comedy, Alex Borstein, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Ayo Edebri, The Bear, Janelle James, and Cheryl Lee Ralph for Abbott Elementary, Juno Temple and Hannah Waddingham for Ted Lasso, and Jessica Williams for Shrinking, who I was so pleasantly surprised to see get in here. Maybe not surprised, but just very pleased to see get in. Um, but is this, uh, is this another Ayo win? I think it might be. Uh, I think uh, there is some hope for Janelle James, but I do think it's really between Io and Janelle. Um, There could be some kind of spoiler where Alex Borstein wins because, you know, final season, she's definitely an Emmy favorite. You know, she had this final season had, uh, you know, people really love that episode with uh, the roast Susie's roast, uh, which was a big one for her. So it was good. I feel like that could be sort of a surprise, but I think it's probably between Io and uh, Janelle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly be happy with either of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Janelle had so, (laughs) she, (laughs) uh, I just laugh every time I think about that character. Like the the, being able to walk on screen and just be (laughs) funny, just like the way you walk on screen uh-huh. is i mean that's a gift so. she totally gets everything about that character Absolutely. i love it um okay so uh last ones here let's let's go through limited series um yes. where really it feels like the the big contenders the people to keep an eye on um are beef and Dahmer. Beef, of course, just kind of swept at uh, the Golden Globes. But again, those had no impact on the Emmys since voting was uh, five months ago for uh, for the Emmys. But I, I feel like it's between those two in the limited series as well as actor and actress. Yes. And I, I think Beef has the edge um, simply, you know, obviously it's one that was uh, well received all around. Certainly, uh I think if Dahmer gets anything, it will be Evan Peters for mm-hmm. actor. Agreed. I think that's actually uh, somewhat uh, probable. The only other potential spoiler for uh, the acting categories might be Jessica Chastain mm-hmm. for lead actress. Um, because remember, voting <laughs> closed at the end of August. And, you know, I think there was sort of, she had the momentum, I think, at that point, simply because, you know, movie star doing big fancy, you know, uh, bio, you know, biopic type series, and people do love her. Um, And if Beef wins limited series, then they might feel okay, you know, giving the the acting category, or at least the actress category to Jessica. Uh, But I could also just see Beef winning in all of these categories. Mm -hmm. 
hundred percent. I'm there with you. I, I feel like it's either beef or it becomes a really split situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I also wouldn't be mad if Dominic Fishback won for Swarm or Riley Key. Right. It's uh, that whole category again. It's another yeah. great one. Um, yeah. I, I, I was um, thrilled also to see Daniel Radcliffe get in for Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Where he's, I mean, I would uh, not hate it if he were up on stage. We will say, you know, the movie won uh-huh. uh, the Emmy for Outstanding Movie yeah, uh, at, the TV movie at, the, at the Creative Arts yep. and won a couple other uh, Creative Arts Emmys. So mm-hmm. while I think it probably will be Steven Yeun standing up there. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be know. angry if they give it to Daniel Radcliffe. I mean, th- honestly, this movie, Weird, the Ali Yankovic story, single-handedly has made TV movies sort of relevant again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, tra- like legitimate traditional TV movies that were not made to be theatrical and ended up on TV. So. Yep. Yep. Agree with you. Um, and lastly, before we uh, go to break, I will say if uh, Nisi Nash Betts does not win for Dahmer, you will hear mm. me yell from inside the auditorium, uh, inside the ceremony. Yeah, so that would be just, yeah. that would be the <laughs> one Dahmer win I wouldn't be mad about because yeah. she is fantastic. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the existence of that project, but honor honor uh, Nisi Nash whenever and wherever you can agree could not agree more uh all right folks we do have to take a quick break but when we come back that interview I teased at the top of the show all of us strangers star Andrew Scott the awardist will be right back Welcome back to The Awardist. Kristen, are you ready to hear from Hot Priest? I mean, always. <laughs> yeah, uh, right? I mean, who's not? Um, we had a, such a funny um, Q&A I did for this movie. Um, and, and I, you know, I brought up, I was like, I hope you don't mind me bringing up um, Hot Priest or whatever. But, you know, this this um, character, I think what they have in common, he goes, what, that, that, that they're both hot? And I'm like, ah, I see, I see. Well played, sir. Well played. Um, but this, this movie is so wildly different from uh, what he does on Hot Priest and in so many other things, playing um, a, a grieving man who uh, his parents died decades earlier. He's a writer trying to come to terms with um, that loss and that grief and trauma that he uh, still feels. He's very lonely uh, living in a a large new um, apartment building in London where he um, befriends and strikes up a relationship with a a fellow resident there played by Paul Meskel. Um, And so it is part uh, love story in those regards, but also part ghost story because he starts, um, he kind of conjures the ghost of his dead parents to help him write uh, and get through that grief. Um, It's just a beautiful and profound and um, heartbreaking, but also very life-affirming film. Um, And uh, if you have not seen it yet, I highly encourage you to do so. Uh, uh, But first, you're going to have to sit through this interview with me and Andrew Scott. Here we go. Enjoy. Well, big development since we saw each other last night at a at a screening. Congrats on the uh, the Golden Globe nomination. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, we were. It's funny at that you know screening. Obviously, I was running through kind of the laundry list of uh, all of the accolades uh, for this film so far, and, and to wake up to that must have been nice. How are, how are you feeling about just the the film in general, the the reception to it, these kinds of honors coming your way? I'm really thrilled about it. To be honest, uh, all the all the accolades. It's nice. Everybody's been sort of honored in some way all the various various different departments by various different um bodies of of people who make these decisions uh so um it's 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 really thrilling because this one is one that i just 
I just really want people to see. I really mm. want people to see the, the the film because I think to see the film is to love the film, and yeah. um, I think it makes people feel better. I think it's it's kind of a cathartic film. You know, there's there's so much hope in it, and there's certainly a few tears get um, shed in it, but I think people come out feeling uh, like a sense of. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I've been through that, even though it was it was intense. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's funny when I um, spoke with Andrew Haig at the SCAD Savannah Film Festival and moderated that uh, post-screening Q and A with him, and kind of mentioned like, you know, this must have been cathartic for you making it because it's it's you know it's a very personal story to him. But do you like do you get that out of the way during the writing process so that you're you know you're focused during filming and you know the emotions aren't getting in the way? And he was like, yeah, definitely. I took care of that. Uh, that kind of stuff early on. But for you guys in filming it, um, it obviously uh, all the emotions on the screen, but have you been able to sit back and, and watch and observe and take in the emotions as an audience member? It's a difficult thing to yeah. do. It's a difficult <laughs> thing to do because you know the plot and you're, you know, I always, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like being in, a, the first time you watch it, it's kind of like being in a minor car altercation. Yeah. Where you just you smashed You're into right. you smashed into something. You think, okay, what's what's just happened? Is everybody okay? <laughs> is this is this a, have I done serious damage? You have to go around, look at the the the, the bumper, and you go, okay, now everything's okay. That's the first time you see it. You mm -hmm. go, you're, you're just you're scanning for noise a little bit, and you know yeah. the story and blah blah blah. So the second time you see it, you're able to watch it a little with a little bit more mm -hmm. um, objectivity. But this one, I've got to say, I'm going to watch again. I don't love watching my own stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but this one I am going to watch again um, at some point, maybe when all the cast are together again. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I'm so proud of it, and mm -hmm. um, I feel uh, I feel like, in a way, there's so much of me in the character that mm. you know, yeah, it's it's important that I just you know face that. But I, I mean, the first time I saw it with an audience, um, I was very taken aback by how exposing the film is yeah <laughs> how vulnerable i look and how yeah how just intimate and raw and you know it is yeah well and you're in i think pretty much every frame of the film too yeah. so so there's yeah. that so i understand yeah, no uh, you know the, there's no escape yeah. <laughs> that, that is true but okay so uh, andrew Haig had had told me part of the reason uh that he really wanted you for this is because he felt you hadn't been given your due and deserved a lead role in a film and when he said that to me it was like the way he would well, no that was a support like mm. i was like hold on this guy has definitely had a lead role yeah, right yeah. but it's like did i dream that but well i have i've just been in films that not a lot of people have seen scene and also i don't really i don't really look at things that way mm. you know it's not like you've gone i've been going oh my god i just really desperately want to play a, like a, a lead in a film i play an awful lot of leads you know in the theater and yeah you know I, it's weird it's so I was funny to say no shortage of those on stage no shortage of those on stage and also i i, I spent a year just playing tom ripley you know where he yeah. was in so much of that story and so I wasn't thinking, okay, now I've got to get myself, mm -hmm. got to get myself a thing. But it, it, it is probably quite true because when, when we've been talking about the film, people have said that to me a lot. You know, it's your first first time, and I suppose that's true. That's just the way it's 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 happened. And um, um, yeah, there's not a lot. There's not a lot to. It's there's no there's no intentionality behind it. Really. Yeah, you know, like for for example, I'll happily play a sporting part again do you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's not like you go to a thing where you think now nah, this is for me mm -hmm. maybe for a for good role is a good role a good role is a good role yeah. and um uh, this was certainly one of them yeah um well i i mean i kind of joked about how you're in in every uh you know frame of the film but did you in the midst of 
filming all of that, did you feel that added responsibility on your shoulders? Just in relation to the stamina of her, I think mm. that's what it is. Yeah. You know, you're just always there. Mm. Um, oh, and um, emotional stamina. stamina yeah, for emotion, this one too. Em emotional stamina. That's that, that. I think that's the thing when you're doing those big set piece scenes yeah. with Jamie and Claire, or Jamie or Claire. Mm. Um, your job is to just hold on to it as much as you can, the mm -hmm. the emotionality, and not to, you know, just to, it's like holding water a little bit. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to make sure that you get that right, and you're hitting the right notes at the right time. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about, and keeping it, keeping it fresh, and yeah. you know, you know, your imagination is interrupted quite a lot on set. You know, you've mm -hmm. just the workings of people just going about their day, and you have to kind of keep in a zone. Yeah. I think that's the thing a little bit. But then also, I think it's really important that you, for me, that you can keep, you can keep it light, and then get access to those things sort of immediately. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a it's a really weird thing. You just have to be very, kind of, particularly in this one, very in touch with how you're feeling. Yeah, um, that's helped when you have a really, really good screenplay because you have got this kind of foundation that you think, well, we can't really go wrong. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. What were your uh, when when Andrew came to you initially? What were your your first conversations with him about in terms of why he thought you were right for the character, whether you felt you were right for the character. For me, it's about vulnerability, really. Mm. I, 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 do, I do feel like um, that's what I would look for in every single character. Um, you know, so the, the, I think our mental health is so dependent on how vulnerable we are, allow ourselves to be. So some of the most mentally ill people in the world project absolutely no vulnerability. Mm. You know, I'm thinking about Donald Trump, if I'm honest, like, you know, when, you, when he presents himself, mm -hmm. if you ask Donald Trump, you know, how do you feel about dying? I don't think he would really admit that he might even mm. die. Do you know what I mean? Like right. that sort of, you know, making a mistake or someone saying, I feel mm -hmm. nervous or I feel, uh, I feel there's a part of me that doesn't feel yeah. I'm good enough. That's not something he would ever push out. And that's why I think, um, you can tell that there's something not right there. Um, and so I love those kind of characters who pre present um, something which is in opposition to what they're actually might be feeling. Mm, and I think yeah. there's a, I think that makes for very dr dramatic watching. And I think it's something mm -hmm. that audiences love to watch. They go, he doesn't really mean that. <laughs> he's saying that out of pride. Or he's saying that to disguise something else. And that's where the really great acting opportunities come, where you're sort of saying what you don't mean and you're meaning what you don't say. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so yeah, that's, that, that was the real, the real pleasure of this screenplay, mm -hmm. you know, and to be with these extraordinary actors. Yeah. As I was asking you that, it kind of made me think, because, you know, you, you hear about an actor or rather a director saying like, oh, I, I knew they were perfect for the part. Have you ever been presented in a situation like that where someone was like, I, I really want you for this and you read and you're like, I don't know this. I, I can't see myself. Yeah. yeah. And that you have. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Hmm. <laughs> a lot I have. Um, well, sometimes you just think somebody else would do that really well. And it's not me. <laughs> um, Which of course, Hurts to turn down a job, but I mean, yeah, if you I, yeah, don't, do, if you're does, not feeling it, it, you're not feeling yeah, it. Yeah, I think I, it, to me, it's kind of of what's value of of value, you know. Um, I, I've been lucky, you know, when I was starting off in the theatre in, in Dublin when I was like 19, I remember turning down work there, there quite early on because it was a really similar part to the one I'd just been played. And, you know, if this one message that this 
film teaches us is like that we're not here long. So you want to do something mm -hmm. that time is whatever about awards and accolades and making money in your career. The most valuable thing that we have is our time. So what are you going to spend your time doing? Mm -hmm. The little amount of time that you have. And so if you feel like I'm challenging myself and I'm learning something, because I, I really strongly believe that living is learning something new, then it actually becomes pretty easy, you know? It becomes pretty easy to go, well, I can see that I've done that already. Why would you do that again? For me, that's what my, um, the thing that I value the most uh, when making a, a decision. Yeah. Um, we said a second ago, good roles are good roles. Uh, you've had some good ones. Um, specifically, I, I would point out Sherlock and Fleabag are two that really, yeah. I think, seem to... Um, bring you certainly additional exposure, additional uh, attention. I don't know, would you say perhaps like open the doors to other things? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Um, and then of course there's, you know, that that little Emmy nominated episode of Black Mirror, no big deal. Um, but did, did you feel all of that kind of momentum and, and stuff happening in the moment? Yeah, um, you do feel those things. You know, sometimes I think it's, it's strange when, when you read about the tra trajectory of an actor's <laughs> life in the theater and you think, oh, it's sort of, it goes, there's Sherlock and there's Fleabag, but there's probably maybe seven years between those two jobs and, mm -hmm. or maybe a bit less, but you know, what, things don't go necessarily in a linear path for actors. And I suppose it's, it's just to say to actors who are starting out that, that, that you go, there are times where you go, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm never going to work again. That's something that I'm sure a lot of actors have told you that, mm -hmm. that they feel a lot of the time. Think, mm -hmm. Oh my God, what, what next? Um, because you get used to sort of living hand to mouth. Um, so I did know, I, I, you know, when, when stuff is watched by millions of people, that, that helps because it helps, it helps mm -hmm. in casting and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I've always feel, felt quite ferocious about is to be able to, is what I spend my, my time doing. And I suppose maybe, you know, it's like goes back to your question about playing lead roles. To me, it's not a huge amount of value to play a lead role in something, just to play a lead role in something. Mm -hmm. What I follow without a doubt is, um, is the quality of the script because I don't believe that you can make a great film if you don't have a great mm -hmm. Um, yeah. script. I, I don't believe you can make a great TV series if the script isn't good or the same with the play because mm -hmm. the script is the actor's biggest ally. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where that's what I would sort of follow because um, that makes me feel alive and it makes mm -hmm. me feel it actually gives me joy every day when I'm on set because I want to be there. You're like, I don't care if I'm in this for three scenes. I get to say this. Whereas if you're playing a lead role in some schlocky film, you're there for ages and actually it's unpleasant and you think this doesn't represent. So if you've got a choice and I recognize that sometimes, you know, as actors, we don't have the choice because you need to work. But if you do have the choice a little bit, um, that's where I, that's what my priority would be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, here with Adam, um, this is a guy who, uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's a bit lost. He's lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, I think fair to say still traumatized by his parents' yeah. death decades earlier. And, and then on top of that, he's a gay man and there's a lot of stuff that comes with that. Um, so did you, did you feel all of that was kind of ever present or were you compartmentalizing those different aspects? Um, did I, what's, what do you mean? Do you mean like, did I, did I, yeah, was it, was it kind of all weighing on you or would you let yourself just focus on little oh, I see things what you're saying. at a time? 
Well, I think there's something, there's a kind of a well of sadness that you have that he's carrying around that's quite mm. significant. But what he's trying to do is to come out of the well of sadness. He's trying to look towards the light. Yeah. So that's actually what you're, when something is well written, you have that well of sadness. But actually, what I think is moving about human beings is that they look to, to the light. They look, mm. I'm trying to get out this. I'm so lonely. What he does, the premise of this movie, is that he's so, so lonely that he's trying to remember his, his long lost beloved parents and he conjures them up mm -hmm. through creativity. Um, that's what he does for a living in order to understand himself. So he, he's got the excitement actually of seeing them again. So of course it's sad that's happened to them, but actually in the, at the moment he's in the, 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 the present day feelings are ones of, I'm excited to see you. Or now that mm -hmm. I have seen you, you're actually saying some pretty brutal prejudiced things to me. Mm -hmm. And actually he, he, he's just going back into the, the everyday feelings that he hasn't, hasn't had the luxury of feeling. So actually it's a luxury for your parents to be an annoying you. It's, it's your luxury for them to be smothering. It's a, you know, and that's what he, he immerses himself. It's a luxury to be able to touch your parents, to mm -hmm. be able to hug them, to be able to get into their bed. Yeah. Um, and, and to get back all that sensuality that he's missing so much. He lives in this apartment block. He's eating cookies on the couch. He's, he's living in a comfort zone. And so by going into the, that, that world it'll, and telling them who he is by having a kind of that difficult conversation, then he sees himself. And when he sees himself, he's able to, you know, let somebody else in mm -hmm. and love somebody else. Well, that's what's so interesting when you talk about some of those conversations are still brutal, because I, as I was watching, I think this hit me more the second time. There was like, you know, the, these, these conversations, he's kind of in control of them, but he's still kind of given that to himself. Mm. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. He hasn't made it. He hasn't made it easy for himself. Yeah. He hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't. They're not having beautiful, you know, all embracing acceptance right, right. conversations. That's what I love about the film, mm -hmm. because it's not a it's not a it's not wish fulfillment. Right. It's right. um yeah. it's cathartic. It's therapeutic. Mm -hmm. It's sort of you're getting there by by saying what actually would happen. Yeah. Tough love uh, he applied to himself. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. yeah. And that and that's why it's, that's that's why it's genuinely um of use to him. Mm -hmm. Um, there are such different and wonderful dynamics at play between Paul Mescal on one hand and then Claire Foy and Jamie Bell uh, on the other. Um, th there must be a, a different kind of creative fulfillment involved for, for you on both sides? Yeah, th there, were, there, were, there were. There were two sort of sections to the film yeah. for me and that I had to constantly be aware of. Okay, I've just come back from... I'm just that's that scene and that affects this scene and then this scene will affect mm -hmm. that so that they weren't too singular you know yeah um it was very physical the part for me i found it very physical mm. phys not not necessarily physically demanding like right, i used right. to eat chicken and broccoli for, for three months mm. but it, uh, to have that uh, sense of what the way we are with our parents as he gets to know them again he kind of goes into his childhood so mm. the way he's able to be um uh, easy with them and, and, and to sort of take their physicality for granted and to get into their bed and to hug them. And that to me was and what way he would position himself with them. And uh, all that stuff was really interesting to me in relation to where would, where would he be in relation to them? Because he's an adult, mm -hmm. but he's there. He, he loves being with them so much mm -hmm. because he's found them again. He kind of wants to be near them and I found that all that really, really kind of interesting. But we had that section, we had two weeks 
almost like a mini childhood mm. with with Claire and Jamie. Um, so we went through that and then I had to say goodbye to them. We shot it for the most part chronologically. Mm. So saying goodbye to them was sad. And then you go, okay, now I'm going to this. Yeah, for you and the audience both. My God. <laughs> well, yeah, although, spoiler alert. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, and so, and so then we went to, um, you know, then we went into the section where it was about, in a sense, falling in love with somebody mm. and those tenderness, the tenderness that, that, that unfolds between the two characters. So that bit was kind of more joyful and uh, easier in some, in some ways, but required a sort of physical bravery because, you know, we had to be naked emotionally and, mm -hmm. and physically. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Um, I mean, sure. The title is all of us strangers, but you and Paul are not at this point. We ain't no strangers. <laughs> no, no, not no. at all. Um, was this all blocked off? Like, did you guys just kind of tackle that all in one day and get it, get it done? All the, uh, and intimate scenes? No, oh. no, we didn't. No, Andrew Haig drew it out. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> he, you know, the, with these things, they've got to be the real intimate scenes. Actually, I mean, there's the physically, yeah. physically intimate scenes, but the real intimate scenes, actually, where they get to know each other, they're they're affectionate with each other. Mm. They're the ones that actually, I think, are the. Of course, is the the, the you know the more sexual, sexy stuff. But I think the the reason that people are gravitate towards that relationship is the sort of tenderness between them and the stuff that happens pre and post sex, mm -hmm. which is, is happens to so many of us where you really connect with someone and you, you're asking each other questions and it's, you're finding out about each other. Um, well, because emotionally. there's sex and there's intimacy. Exactly. You know, exactly and right. that's, yeah. That intimacy requires coordination too, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? But the wonderful thing about having an intimacy coordinator is that Everybody knows what their boundaries is. Everybody's listened to. Mm. So you know that if you're doing something and you feel uncomfortable with it, it's just not going to be in the movie. That's a wonderful feeling because I think for so many years you go, I didn't really agree to this, but I don't mm. want to be, I don't want to be difficult. And I want to, you know, give myself to the, to the, to, to the story. But then on the day, it's hard. It's, it's hard to sort of say no. So once you know that you can, Give yourself to the story on the day, but know that that's all mm -hmm. fine if you do it in actuality, but that'll never be in the movie. Allows you to be a little bit more to to to, to be a bit more comfortable, a little more in the in the mood for recreating that kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. uh, you kind of brought up the you know the, the intimacy. I think that that their first uh, physical encounter um, is just. It's so special because they're not just ripping each other's no. clothes off and, and going for it. It is mm. like you said, it's it's tender. It's uh, it's quiet. Yeah, and tentative. Uh, in a way, it's, it's, it's kind of yeah, yeah, very sensitive. But then it gets a little awkward too because yeah. he's like, "Oh, I got to yeah. breathe." Um, but yeah. was that all part of Andrew's script, or those were things that you guys were kind of feeling out in the moment? Yeah, literally feeling. Feeling out. well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was uh, mostly Andrew's script, but then of course mm. there's things physically that you you you. Um, discover and you know chemistry is all about listening chemistry mm -hmm. is all about okay what's that person doing now are they doing that or what are they doing there you know you're complete it's awareness yeah. um so you can't write that in a script you have to yeah that has to mm -hmm. come from the bodies and the, the energy between the, yeah. the two the two performers kind of down to as much as like how much inner thigh you grab yeah. that's what you're talking about that kind no of well we, we weren't thinking about that oh okay. we weren't thinking yeah. about that because that's when you when you when you do that you go i'm just gonna we're gonna sort of do that. That's a sort of vibe, mm -hmm. but you can't really, um, you can't really think about that, you know, sure. too much because that's not what our job is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys had already kind of set your own 
We, we, we this did. is what yeah. we're comfortable yeah, it with. Felt, it felt very, yeah. very safe in, in that, in that yeah. thing. And then, of course, me and Paul were just laughing the whole time because, you know, you're, <laughs> you're at 7 o'clock in the morning and you're completely naked in a room full of guys. <laughs> 7 in the morning? Yeah, my like, gosh. Yeah, you know, and you're, you're there naked in front of all these guys in cargo shorts. <laughs> It's a different kind of morning sex, but we won't get into that. Um, from speaking with uh, you and Claire and Jamie during that uh, our, our post-screening Q&A, um, and you've mentioned a little bit here, trying to keep things light when things are heavy. Um, I mean, that bed scene, it was such a great story that you guys yeah. are, you know, you're because because it's so choreographed, it's three of you, then one person's got to swap out and then yeah. she's gone. Mm. And I think you said like the bed was creaky. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, tell, tell folks who are, uh, well, there's a lot this of people will hear this for the first time. It's, it's really one of the most beautiful scenes in the, in the, in, yeah. in, in the movie, I think. But it's all in one, one, yes. one, one take. And it, um, about a, a five, six minute scene. Maybe? Yeah, about that. Yeah. And um, so a big dialogue scene for me and Claire and I get into the bed and Jamie's asleep and uh we have this wonderful conversation i turn around and jamie is replaced by paul's character mm -hmm. so it requires as the camera is coming down on me there's an awful lot of stuff as we're talking there's an awful lot of stuff going on and they have to kind of leave the frame <laughs> while, the, while the camera is pointing to them and then paul to sort of mm -hmm. get in and then there's all, all sorts of quite complicated choreography without distracting me yeah. and claire because we're doing this five minute very intimate um, mm. scene. So we were just got pretty giggly and like laughing because Claire was just like basically see everything. But in a way, that's what I mean about playfulness. If you love the people that you're with and you know that they've, they've we knew all our lines, we knew where we had to go. Actually, I think it provided, because we were drowning everything in seriousness, mm -hmm. again, you're talking about very serious things, but you're 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 speaking with a sort of lightness. So, so having that atmosphere of kind of the ridiculousness of life <laughs> and the ridiculousness of creativity, um, and having a little bit of a pressure mm -hmm. um, and an absurd situation, the fact that that's turned into something that has got such atmosphere is so wonderful. Because what I think about is, wow, that didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. We've created something that never existed before, and that that's that's either entertained or moved or um, uh, made, 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 made people feel something. And that's, that's a pretty cool thing to do for a living, I think. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, I know you're used to lots of dialogue from, from all of your theater work and, you know, having two, two plus hours of, of stuff memorized. But when you're in that little intimate scene of six minutes or whatever, I mean, are there points where you're getting close to the end of that and you're like, don't fuck it up now. Don't like, don't. Oh, screw yeah, it. yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. then you got to start all over. And... Well, it's a film stock, you know, we shot <laughs> yep. it on film. And so you want to be able to, you want to, you, you want to, you don't want to do waste all the great, if you've done yeah. really good work and then just by taking too long a pause, it runs out and then you can't use any of it. Yeah. That's, that, that's the thing. So it's a skill, but it's exciting. It's <laughs> like, it is like going on stage. You think, well. You've only got a certain amount of time to do, but that's the challenge, and that's that, I love that kind of kind of filmmaking where you've got a we've got a we had it of course in 1917 where you know there was a whole, a oh, whole yeah. thing oh, yeah. huge big um, yeah you know set pieces and stuff. So um, this is like a little mini 1917, except in a 1980s bed. Yeah, it's I mean that scene is so great. I just I love it so much. I, I mentioned a bit at that screening that I I can't believe I didn't see the twist coming. Mm. Did you see it coming as you were reading the script? Um, I suppose I 
didn't. No, I don't think oh. I did. But then I'm always like, is it a twist? I suppose it is a twist. Yeah. Um, a reveal. Yeah, it's sort of a reveal, yeah. yeah. But I suppose it's like, I, I, I don't think... I don't think you're going to be satiated by going, oh my God, I'm going to see this movie with a twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, because I it's think not you, the sixth sense. It's not the sixth sense, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, the, it's a strong feeling that you get from the film. Um, uh, and I think that's kind of the most, the, mo the most important thing. Because every day, in some ways, has a twist, right? Doesn't yeah. it? Uh -huh. <laughs> Doesn't it ever? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you think there's something that tomorrow we're going to wake up that we don't know hasn't mm -hmm. happened. And even if that's minor, I just think it's being aware of, of, the, of the, 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 that every day is like, a, wow, I didn't see that coming, whatever that right. might, might be. Yeah. Um, and so it's more in that vein. Um, and it's a dream like, I feel, I feel very mm -hmm. strongly that the film is like a dream that you wake up from a very, very potent dream and you feel you can feel so sad, you can wake up in floods, or you yeah. can wake up screaming, you can wake up laughing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you go, what happened in the dream? What, what went back there? Let's rewind that. You mm -hmm. try, we try desperately to yeah. understand it. But I think Andrew's great achievement is that he directs us towards the feeling rather than examining what the logic of the, of the feeling might be. Mm -hmm. Because um, the most important thing and the most difficult thing to do and I think he's achieved this, and I feel very proud that we've all done that together, of making the audience genuinely moved. When people watch mm -hmm. the movie, there's a collective feeling of, um, you can hear people really crying and really laughing, and there's a kind of catharsis in the, in the film that I don't think is, is, is common. Yeah, and it's interesting in that moment too, because I, it seems like there are one of several ways that Adam could have reacted in that moment mm. where did you guys try different things or was it always kind of that specific yeah. reaction? I kind of knew it's like, oh, it's really interesting with all these quite metaphysical things. Mm -hmm. I think the challenge was how do I play this with ultimate reality and you don't want to overplay it. And what way would that person be in this situation? unseen by anybody else so yeah i definitely imaginatively went there in my head mm -hmm. but no it's sort of because the script again was so interesting and by that stage i knew the character very well i just felt like um without giving the game away i just felt like you just needed to be there for the other character and i don't know how many people are familiar with the original book quite a different ending. Yeah, right. Uh, even from the, there was a Japanese film adaptation, which uh, is actually a horror film, right? right? So this is very yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know if folks have seen or read, but um, yeah. they're definitely in store for something very different here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I mean, well, congratulations on that. Have you finished filming Ripley? Yes, yes, yeah. All yeah, done yeah. with that. I yeah, mean, that's all done, yeah. yeah. I cannot wait for that. Yeah, I hope I haven't fucked it up. <laughs> no, I I doubt it. I mean, what, what are, is it sticking close to like, well, I suppose you have a lot more time to explore a yes, lot more. Yes, you obviously. do. You do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very near the book. Mm. Um, mm. And um, I think it's very different from the movie. Mm -hmm. He says, try, he's trying to speak um, uh, diplomatically. Yeah, in code. Yeah. In code. <laughs> um, um, and yeah, you see, you spend an awful lot of time with Tom. All right. Uh, well, that makes me all the more... Spend some time with Tom. Yeah, time with Tom. exactly, exactly. Um, well, yeah. 
Congratulations yeah. on everything. I, I hope we will continue to see you uh, over the next few months. Oh, I hope so. Like it's a great said, pleasure. This is, this is a film I, I just keep telling people you must see this Oh, movie. please do. That's what I really want. I'd love people to see, to see the movie, you know. That's, yeah. that's what all these accolades and everything are great. Just hope people yeah. just go along. And Boost that profile. Get people in theaters. Exactly yeah. right. Well, uh, I, I wish I had had at least another hour to talk to Andrew. He's he's just so insightful and talented. And his his resume, if you really go back and look at some of the things he's done, um, some some uh, like series, British series that people I encourage you to find. They might be on like BritBox or Acorn TV, stuff like that. Find him and watch because he's always such a standout in things that he does. And uh, we talked a little bit about there uh, the upcoming Ripley series that he's in, which, oh, God, I love that movie. Um, but the series, as he said, is a little more like the the book. So you're going to get a lot more there um, of his character. And, and uh, I can't wait for that. I have to imagine that's probably on your radar this year, Kristen. Oh, yeah. I love the book. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. Yeah, as am I. All right, folks. Well, uh, we have uh, kind of gone through everything we need to go through today. So uh, I will leave it all there. That is it for this week's episode of The Awardist. Thanks so much for being here, Kristen. Thanks for having me and happy finally Emmys week. Yay. Happy finally Emmys week, indeed. And thanks so much to all of you for listening. If you like what you're hearing here on The Awardist, follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. We're at EW on X, formerly known as Twitter, and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. And Kristen, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter. I will not call it the other thing, uh, at uh-huh. Kristen G. Baldwin. Dang, dang. There we go. All right, folks. Uh, we will see you back here next week and every day at EW.com. This episode of The Awardist is hosted and produced by Jared Hall and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.